Well, good morning, Grace Church and Friends of Grace on this sixth Sunday of Easter. Uh, we have the privilege of having Pastor Chris Yates uh, with us from Bay Area Presbyterian Church sharing God's word with us from the book of Genesis as we continue our series on the life of Joseph today. Um, again, please remember that if you need anything at all during this time, uh, if you need uh, help with groceries or prayer or help with anything at all, please do not hesitate to contact the church office. Don't hesitate to contact the elders or the deacons. Uh, we want you to know that we love you and we care about you and we miss you dearly during this time. Uh, our phones work, our emails work. Please uh, don't hesitate to contact us. Um, hopefully at this point in the morning, you've downloaded the bulletin uh, so that you can follow along. If not, you can go to the church website and download it there so that you can follow along and worship with us. Um, finally, why do we gather together over Facebook for worship today? Our hearts are made to find their rest and their end in God. Since that's the reality for each and every one of us, we will experience an anxiety and a restlessness when we center our lives on substitutes. We are all created to love. The question isn't whether we will love something as ultimate, but what will you love as ultimate? The one true God of the Bible invites you this day to give yourself wholly to him, not to use you, not to manipulate you, but so that you can know him, so that you can be loved by him, so that you can be brought near and embraced by him and be in a rich relationship with him, so that you can be loved and welcomed and not rejected, not because there's anything good in you, not because you have anything to offer, but solely because of his goodness and grace and love that he extends to you. So let's take a moment wherever you find yourself this morning to pause and to reflect and prepare to meet with and worship our God. I'm going to invite you to stand again. I know that it's uncomfortable. I know that it's weird, but uh, if you are able and you want to, please stand. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, it's fine. Stay in your couch, stay in your office chair, uh, but please join your hearts with me for the call to worship from Revelation chapter five. Worthy is the lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Blood. 
I secured our way to God. Let us praise and join the chorus of the saints enthroned on high. Here they trusted Him before us. Now their praises fill the sky. Thou hast washed us with Thy blood. Thou hast washed us with Thy blood. Thou hast washed us with Thy blood. You can be seated if you are standing, and please join your hearts with me as we pray our prayer of adoration together. Please unite your hearts with me. Holy Spirit, Lord and giver of life, we praise you for your love and faithfulness to your creation and to your people. We praise you for moving over the face of the waters at the beginning of time and for giving every living thing the breath of life. We praise you that you are working even now to renew your creation. We thank you that you invite us into that mission and that you give us your power to enter in. Come, Holy Spirit, burn in our hearts, free us from the power of sin and death, abide in us, and lead us in the way of Jesus. Make us bold witnesses of your redeeming love, Unite us in the love of Christ and make us new even this day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our call to renewal this morning comes from Romans chapter 7, verses 21 to 24. Hear the word of our Lord. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Friends, as we come to our time of confession today, if we're honest, we see how frail, how wretched and broken we are. We are a desperate and needy people in need of being rescued from our sin and our refusal to love and to serve the God who made us and pursued us in, his, in Jesus' death for us. But thank God there is hope for us. We find rescue when we turn towards our God in faith and in repentance and turning away from ourselves in the way that we pursue life and wholeness and satisfaction apart from Jesus, and we turn towards him, the one who loved us to death and rose again for us. So let's go before him now confessing using the prayer printed in your bulletin. Please pray with me. Almighty God, in raising Jesus from the grave, you shattered the power of sin and death. We confess that we remain captive to doubt and fear, bound by the ways that lead to death. We overlook the poor and the hungry and pass by those who mourn. We are deaf to the cries of the oppressed and indifferent to calls for peace. We despise the weak and abuse the earth you made. Forgive us, God of mercy. Help us to trust your power to change our lives and make us new, that we may know the joy of life abundant given in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. Please take a few moments now quietly where you are to reflect and to confess before our God who is faithful and loves to forgive his people.
brothers and sisters, lift up your heads and hear these words of encouragement from St. Paul as he continues in Romans chapter 7, 25 through 8 two. Paul writes, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but my, in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ, Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. Friends, do you hear the good news this morning? There is no more condemnation left for you. Jesus took every bit of it, and now there is none left for you. So having received God's peace and his grace granted to you in forgiveness, Let's turn to one another and extend the peace of Christ that we've been given as we text each other, as we write in the comments over Facebook. But at this point, extend Christ's peace to one another. So the peace of the Lord be with you. We come now to our prayers of the people. Uh, I invite you at this time to unite your hearts with me in prayer, and we'll conclude by joining our voices together uh, in our homes using the Lord's Prayer. So please pray with me. Gracious and loving Father, we praise you that you are in control and that you care for our every need. We thank you for Jesus' death and resurrection that secured your people for yourself. We're thankful that you've given us the gift of your spirit to encourage and challenge and shape us more and more into Jesus' likeness. We thank you for your graciousness towards us, for your faithfulness and goodness to us, for your provision for people even to this place. We pray that you would free us to truly love the broken and the outcast and the sick and the hurting. Use us to expand your kingdom here in the woodlands through the beauty and the freedom and goodness and grace of your gospel. Father, we do pray for your church this morning and all of her diversity. We ask that she would truly be marked by grace and holiness and humility and unity. We're thankful that we're not the only church that's meeting together, and we praise you for those gathering together for worship throughout this world, throughout this community, over Facebook and the internet. We pray especially for the crossing here in the Woodlands, for their past, pastor, Randy Harvey, for his family and his staff. We thank you for their years of faithful service to this community for their partnership in the gospel and we ask that you would continue to use them to expand your kingdom here in the woodlands and across houston and your world and father we pray for our world and for its leaders uh, give those who rule and who make decisions uh, and those who lead great wisdom and compassion we pray that across your world you would truly bring an end to this virus Bring an end to the fear and sickness and confusion and death. Help us to not live in fear, but in the confidence that you are in control and you love us. But give us wisdom as we go about our day-to-day -day lives. Help us to place the needs and the good of our neighbors and those who are most vulnerable above our own. As more and more places are reopening, give us wisdom to know how to respond. Give us grace and patience and empathy with those who think differently from us. Continue to support and strengthen the doctors and nurses around this world and this community laboring endlessly in hospitals. Give them energy, the supplies and the equipment and resources and rest that they need. Protect them and all of us from sickness and from mental and emotional despair. 
bring great healing and relief to those who are sick. And grant that in our own communities, those who are troubled and those who suffer and those who are needy and discouraged, they, that they might actually find support in their brokenness through your church. And Father, for our community this morning, we are deeply thankful for it, but we know among us there are many in great needs. So for those who are sick and weary, whether physically or emotionally or mentally or spiritually, we ask for health and strength and recovery. For those who are anxious and troubled, give rest and understanding and help us to be still before you. For those who are weary and lonely from this isolation, we ask for fellowship and love in the presence of your spirit. Help us to remain connected in creative and in intentional ways, looking to serve and to come alongside those around us. And for those who are enduring great grief and great loss, give your comfort and your assurance. And for those who are enduring financial hardship and job loss and anxiety and discouragement, we beg for your provision. Help us as your people to be attentive to the needs of those around us and help us to be able to ask for the help that we need. And for those with broken or damaged relationships, uh, bring true healing and repentance. We ask that we would take hold of your vision for your kingdom, that we would labor to love our neighbors and to seek the good of those around us. We ask that you would hear us now as we pray the prayer that your son has taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We come now to our time of offering. This truly is an act of worship. Again, it is very weird to do this over the internet, but our act of worship is really a place where we recognize all that we have, all that we are, all we've been given are truly gifts from our God. Um, if you're able to give today, you can go online and give through the church website, or you can mail a check into the church office. But let's rejoice now and give with great joy and abundance because of the generosity and the abundance that our God has given to us. Friends, it is a privilege to have Pastor Chris Yates here with us today from Bay Area Presbyterian Church in Houston. Uh, we are grateful for his friendship and his gift of preaching, and so he is here to share God's word with us. And so I'm going to invite Chris up at this time. Thank you, Kyle. Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be in the course of this day. Greetings. I uh, was driving around <clears throat> Clear Lake this past week, listening to the radio, and uh, at the top of the hour, the DJ, <clears throat> excuse me, came on and said, um, do you think that social is making you a bit crazy? 
yeah. I mean, I bit. I said, yeah, <clears throat> yes. And do, do you, are you experiencing a shortness of patience with people? Yeah. Are you finding yourself easily irritated with the ones that you love the most? <clears throat> at this point in time, I said, yeah. <laughs> and at that point in time, I, <clears throat> I tuned out, I turned off the radio, and I discarded him. And the reason that I did was because that's what we do with people that irritate us. We tune them out. We turn them off. Uh, if you're in corporate, maybe you wad them up like a piece of paper and throw them in the trash can. If you're um, in family where you have difficult relationships, we, we tend to isolate. We tend to withdraw. The, the very thing that actually gives life to others, <clears throat> moving towards each other, pulling together, is the very thing that we find is almost the last reflex, the last um, default mode that we have. The scriptures help us here, not only to identify that this is one of our main problems, we, it's the old porcupine dance, right? Porcupine, they dance, they get close enough till they stick each other and then they, you know, they go back to their corners. And it's just, the, how do we get over this? And maybe the better question is, if it's true that when God's people um, unite, when God's people pull together, they get strength in order to face adversity, suffering, uh, daily life, then how can we do that? How can we begin to, to know how to begin to pull together, even in times when it seems to be the last reflex that we have? Uh, Joseph is going to show us how, and in a big way. So if you recall, um, he was uh, wanted to be murdered by his, his brothers, thrown in the pit. They had a better idea. They'd sell him into slavery. He gets, he gets sold into slavery. He goes down to Egypt. Uh, he rises to the place of being part of Pharaoh's entourage. He's a governor. Uh, his wife accuses Joseph of, of approaching her. And he gets thrown in jail. He gets out of jail. Um, this rise and fall, rise and fall. At some point in time, you look at the guy and you go, why don't you just give up? Right? And he didn't. What we're going to see now in the chapters we're going to look at this morning is that not only did he not give up, he actually moved towards, pulled together, reunited, protected, and provided for his own brothers who wanted to kill him about 20 years later. And then for the entire nation of Egypt, that, I mean, you talk about loving your neighbor, uh, he is now setting up an administration to take care of them as well. It's fascinating. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read the first part, uh, which is going to take us from uh, the end of chapter 46 to the beginning of 47. I'm going to narrate that part of chapter 47 and then pick it up at the bottom there in verse 13, and we'll read that to the end. We're going to come back to that part that I'm going to narrate at the beginning of 47, uh, and we'll be able to, to uh, look at it a little more carefully. So Genesis 46, beginning in verse 28, hear the word of the Lord. Now Jacob sent Judah ahead of him to Joseph to get directions to Goshen. When they arrived in the region of Goshen, Joseph had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and wept, and that for a long time. Israel said to Joseph, now I am ready to die, since I have seen for myself that you are still alive. Then Joseph said to his brothers, and his father's household, I will go up, I will speak to Pharaoh, and will say to him, my brothers and my father's household, who are living in the land of Canaan, have come to me. 
The men are shepherds, they tend livestock, and they have brought along their flocks and herds and everything they own. When Pharaoh calls you in and asks you, what is your occupation? You should answer, your servants have tended livestock from our boyhood on, just as our fathers did. Then you will be allowed to settle in the region of Goshen, for all the shepherds are detestable in the Egyptians' eyes. At that point in time, that actually occurs. Joseph goes before Pharaoh. He begins to tell them about his, his father and his people. Uh, they go before him. Pharaoh investigates them. They stay with Joseph's script. They tell him, yes, uh, we are shepherds. Uh, please just let us go over here with our flocks in Goshen that we can continue to take care of them and we'll leave you alone. Pharaoh says, that's a great idea. And by the way, he says to them, if any of you guys are, are extra good at tending flocks, I'd like you to watch over my livestock as well. A huge admission for a pagan uh, nation that would not share Israel's faith commitments at this time. So then we get down to that. That all goes well. <clears throat> and then we'll pick up down at verse 13. Now there was no food, however, in the whole region because the famine was severe. Both Egypt and Canaan wasted away because of the famine. Joseph collected all the money that was to be found in Egypt and Canaan in payment for the grain that they were buying, and he, and he brought it to Pharaoh's palace. When the money of the people of Egypt and Canaan was gone, all Egypt came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? Our money is used up. Then bring me your livestock, said Joseph, and I will sell your food in exchange for your livestock since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and he gave them food in exchange for their horses, their sheep, and their goats, their cattle, and their donkeys. And he brought them through that year with food in exchange for all their livestock. When that year was over, they came to him the following year and said, We cannot hide from our Lord the fact that since our money is gone and our livestock belongs to you, there is nothing left for our Lord except our bodies and our land. Why should we perish before your eyes? We in our land as well. Buy us and our land in exchange for food, and we with our land will be in bondage to Pharaoh. Give us seed so that we may live and not die, and that the land may, uh, may not become desolate. So Joseph bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh. The Egyptians, one and all, sold their fields because of the famine was too severe for them. The land became Pharaoh's, and Joseph reduced the people to servitude for, uh, from one end of Egypt to the other. However, he did not buy the land of the priests because they received a regular allotment from Pharaoh and had food enough for the allotment Pharaoh had given them. That is why they did not sell their land. And Joseph said to the people, now that I have bought you and your land today for Pharaoh, here is seed for you so that you can plant the ground. But when the crop comes in, give a fifth of it to Pharaoh the other four-fifths you may keep as seed for the fields as food for yourselves and your household and your children. You have saved our lives, they said to Joseph. May we find favor in the eyes of our Lord. We will be in bondage to Pharaoh. So Joseph established it as the law concerning the land in Egypt still in force today that a fifth of the produce belongs to Pharaoh. It was the only land of the priests that did not be, uh, become did not come underneath Pharaoh's rule. Now the Israelites settled in Egypt in the, in the reign in the region, excuse me, of Goshen. They acquired property there and were fruitful and increased greatly in number. 
Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years, and the years of his life were 147. When the time drew near for Israel to die, he called for his son Joseph and said to him, If I have found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh and promise that you will show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt, but when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. I will do as you say, Joseph said. Swear to me, he said. Then Joseph swore to him, and Israel worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. What do we learn from Joseph as to how to pull together in the midst of great adversity, great suffering, great affliction, in the midst of what could easily be perceived as enemies? I have two brothers. Dave never put a price on my head. Although at times growing up, I thought they were trying to kill me. Um, but I have no idea what it is to be, to, be, uh, to, to be wanting to be murdered by my own family. And yet, he is going to, from the very beginning here, he is saying, to find this, this strength in adversity, it actually comes from actually pulling together at a very time you think you would want to pull apart. So much so, that by the time we get into the New Testament, we hear the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4 saying something similar. And that is, pulling together is actually the secret of the church's power. P pulling together is actually the secret of the staying power, the healing power of a faith community. It is that unity that continually needs to be strived for and worked towards and prayed for. Because in one measure, we're, we're all porcupine. So what do we do? Well, let's look at Joseph. In that first section... Uh, we're struck by a couple things coming down at verse 28. Uh, they're heading down now to Goshen. Uh, Joseph had his chariot, made it ready, which is actually um, our text. It, the Hebrew says he was anxious to go see and get ready for his father. I mean, this is a, this is a, a young man who has not seen his father for close to 20 years, and he is now going to have that opportunity to be welcomed back and to welcome his father. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and wept for a long time. Th this is this, um, starting with the patriarch, the head of the family, Joseph is saying, I want to reunite with you. I want to reunite with my brothers. I, I want to be a family again, uh, even though I am the, the, the ruler at this point in time and can take care of you. What is it? This is, this is reconciliation. This is Joseph taking the burden of loving people who wanted to murder him. Uh, the tenderness of it all is when the, the text actually says that Joseph threw his arms around his father's neck and then he wept on his father's neck. Uh, we don't speak that way, of course. Uh, the Hebrew is, is graphic in that this was, this, was a, this was a tender moment. This was a reuniting, this was a welcoming of the patriarch as well as flowing down all the way through uh, to the brothers who, um, who hated him. It's interesting, not only that, but when we get down to verse 31, he speaks to them as my brothers and my father and my father's household. Now, can you imagine? I mean, he's got the power, he's got the influence over them, and yet he still calls them my family. This is my brothers. These are, these are mine. This is my father and his household. 
How do you do that? Forgiveness always, no exceptions. If there's ever going to be healing in a, in, a, in a strained relationship or an offensive relationship or where sin has occurred, somebody is going to take the fall. Someone has to absorb the offense. Uh, we think of our Savior. Uh, we want somebody else to do that, not us. Uh, Joseph shows us in such a stark way of his love for his father, his love for still saying, you are my brothers, this is my father and his household, and they belong to me. And as he introduces them to Pharaoh, he uses the same term, my brothers, my father, my father's household. These are my people, even though they wanted to kill me. Um, we, we, I guess the real question is, how, would, how could Joseph possibly do that? Uh, we don't know until chapter 50, but then we find out. So if you were thrown in a pit to die and you were rescued, and if you were sold into slavery and rescued, and if you were... Uh, accused of doing something you didn't do and thrown into jail um, at some point in time you would begin to say God is my rescuer yeah this is affliction I didn't deserve this I didn't earn this but somehow as Joseph comes to, to look at his brothers he said I am going to take the fall I'm, I'm going to absorb the punch um, because that's the only way this relationship will be healed and united together see it says he's got that great quote about forgiveness all Christians think forgiveness is a good idea until they have somebody to forgive. <laughs> yes. Um, so what do we do at that point in time? Uh, when we lived in Indianapolis and our youngest son, Benjamin, was uh, he's about three, three and a half years old. He got caught red-handed. Um, I was looking through the uh, door as he was doing something he knew he shouldn't have been doing. And uh, I called him to myself and he came into the room I was in and he stopped at the doorway. And I was pretty sure this was going to be the shootout at the OK Corral. I was this one uh, as his father. So I said, Benjamin, Robert Yates, come here. He didn't move. So I, I went up an octave, you know, in a little more tone. I said, Benjamin, Robert Yates, come here. He didn't move. So I was thinking, all right, I'm not going to lose this. Um, I need wisdom. I'm not quite sure what to do. So I got down on my knees, and I held my arms out, and I looked at him, and I said, Ben, come here. And at that moment, his lips started to quiver, and that little right foot just inched a little bit, right? And I just stared at him. I kept my arms open. That left leg, left foot, right, he kind of come over. And when he finally got to me, he didn't just stand in front of me like he was before a tribunal. He fell into my arms. I mean, he, he just melted in, into me. And I was like, what just happened? I want to catch this Kodak moment. What? I'm going to bottle this. I'm going to write a book. Uh, what, what occurred? When you show grace to others who don't deserve it, when you show the grace that you yourself have been shown by the Lord to others, it melts the human heart. It engages the will. Why? Because we want to know even when we're guilty, we're loved. When Ben came to me and finally just fell into me, it wasn't my might that got him to, to move. It was my mercy. Joseph says, look, you, you want to reunite. I mean, we want to reconcile with people within our own congregation, within our own world, within our neighborhood, uh, at our work, in our marriages, our own children. Show the grace that you've been shown. How much have you been forgiven? How, how, how wide and how deep and how long 
uh, is the love of Christ for you. This is, this is the gospel psychology. This is the way spiritual healing begins to occur. As we show the grace that we've been showed, reconciliation begins to occur. Hearts are melted. We begin to find family love and family loyalty coming together into one. Joseph shows us the way. He refused, he refused to uh, disown his own people when he had every right to. How can we do that? Refuse to be offended. Show the grace that you've been shown. That's, that, that's the reconciling part. I know I've made it sound very easy. Don't be fooled. I mean, this is hard work in the Christian life to, to maintain and reunite broken relationships. Joseph shows us how. How do we pull together as Christ's church? Begin to reconcile. Secondly, in verse 40, uh, chapter 47 on down, we're going to talk about now he's going to protect his people. He's going to protect his family. Um, beginning at the, uh, at the uh, verse 1, Joseph went and told Pharaoh, my father, my brothers with their flocks and herds and everything they own have come to the land in Goshen, and now they need this place. Verse 2, he chose five of his brothers. They presented to Pharaoh, and then they, they worked all the way through it. And um, what did Joseph do? He used his power, used his strategic planning, he used his influence to provide for his family. They didn't deserve it at all. This protection that he was able to do and came to do was in such a way, not only did he provide for them, but now we begin to see this flow out into Egypt. I mean, this is like loving your neighbors when they don't believe anything you believe. So this was, this was great. So this past two, three weeks, I've been, um, I've been, been begging uh, Kyle to send me the uh, the letter he's sending out the emails the, the leadership is sending out and let, let me just let me just commend the leadership of the church Kyle and everybody else involved listen listen to what I this is what he wrote I'm sure many of you have questions about when we're going to reopen and what the state of Texas looks like we want you to know that the session at Grace wants you to know that we are taking re-entry and reopening situation very seriously what does that communicate you care about us. <laughs> We're going to err on the side of caution, right? Because we love each other, but it gets better. We want to care well for you and for our neighbors. Our neighbors. Our neighbors? You care? Our neighbors. He goes on. Please know that we are working on a plan for the reentry phase here at Grace. We're partnering with doctors, other churches, and other professionals to make sure that we are considering every angle possible, utmost concern for the health and safety of our neighbors. This is the gospel at work, that we are trying to protect not only us, but also people around us, that God has placed us as a church, as a body with our relationships, that people outside of this church matter to God and they matter to us. It's a beautiful vision. It is a wonderful vision that somehow the love and the gospel of Christ goes beyond the four walls of this church to the place where you're actually considering the people living next to you, that it matters uh, what you do and how you roll all the way through this, the, the corona situation. It's outstanding. Why? Because most churches become inwardly focused, and when they do, it's very difficult to get back out. This is a beautiful vision. Um, this is a, a reflecting part of what Joseph is doing here, claiming his own as his own, saying it's going to go beyond the, the four walls of my people, although they continue to be my people. 
even to the point where we get to the end. It says, Joseph settled his father and his brothers in Egypt. He gave them property. He, uh, verse 21, he provided for them. He could have written them off, and, uh, and he didn't. He, he went and provided protection for them and to be able to watch over them and take them carefully uh, in, their, in his protection for them. Refused to be disowned and claimed them as my, my family. Protection. How do we draw together? How do we find that strength as we draw together? Commit to reconcile? Commit to protect? And then the last one actually is the last half of <clears throat> chapter 47, beginning in verse 13. One of the ways that's helpful to study the Bible is what we call follow the verbs. So if you want to know something about Joseph, follow the verbs um, from verse 13 to the end of the chapter, and you begin to see the, the, the depth of provision that he provides for them. I'm just going to spit some off real quickly here. Uh, Joseph collected all the money. Uh, he sold their food. He gave them horses. He brought them through that entire year with food exchange for them. Verse 20. So Joseph bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh. He reduced uh, those people, uh, reduced the people to servitude. Now you need to understand something. This is not chattel slavery like we understand it today. That these people actually look forward to be, uh, be enslaved because their owners were righteous and because it could be for, uh, it could be for the rest of their lives. This was security that, that this time was not providing. So when we read that, that you know, Joseph reduced the people to servitude and to slavery, um, be, be sure not to, to superimpose everything that we know about modern-day slavery, which is reprehensible and always has been. Uh, this, this is safety for these people. They were treated well, and they had loving masters. Verse 23, uh, Joseph said to the people, Now that I have bought you and your land for Pharaoh, here is seed. Verse 25, they turn and say to him, You have saved our lives. Follow the verbs, and you can walk through a catalog of those things that uh, Joseph was committed to do to not only protect, but also to provide for these people. Uh, about a month ago, uh, when COVID was kicking up down in uh, Clear Lake where we were, I had a, a gentleman, uh, actually was one of our doctors at the church, call me, said, I need to talk to you. Got together, handed me an envelope. I said, what's this? And he said, there's two checks in there. Okay. Pray tell, what do you want me to do? He said, well, there's one in there. I just want you to give us our, it's our regular tithe. There's another check in there. Okay. Can you promise me that that check for $10,000 will go directly into the mercy fund and that you will do your best to spend that money on our people or anybody else that comes to our church? I said, I can. Tell me why. He said, because if this coronavirus takes me out, I don't want to leave this world clinging to my money knowing that I could have given it to somebody else to help them find a better place in this world and a better place in Christ's church. May his tribe increase. At a very time when most of us are actually clinging and drawing in, right, we're trying to pull our resources together, very understandable, uh, this particular doctor who is extremely gracious was saying, don't you dare do anything else with this $10,000, which I want you to spend it with the, through the deacon fund to the mercy ministry to people in our church as well as anybody else that comes by that needs help. It's the provision, the protection um, of the Lord. Incredible generosity. Uh, Tim Keller in his book on general justice says it this way, justice includes generosity. Well, we, we knew that. Um, 
to try and bring about a level of unity within the body of Christ. Uh, we provide for each other. We look for each other. We provi provide for each other as best we are, as best we can. And I'll, let me close with this. So um, all life-giving love is inconvenient. All life-giving love is inconvenient. Think about Christ. Think about what he did. Think about what he, he refused to turn away from for us. And then ask yourself this question. When these people looked at Joseph and said, you have saved our lives, at some point in time reading through this, you got to go, you know, he, he reconciled, Joseph reconciled them to himself. He gave them uh, protection. He gave them provision. Sounds like Jesus to me. Joseph is a picture of the servant in the Old Testament. Be picked up again in Isaiah 53 about the, a, a greater picture. But at this point in time, Joseph is simply a pointer saying, but you have that, Christian. You have that in Jesus Christ. He has reconciled you to himself. He has provided for you in his salvation, and he's going to continue to protect you all the way to the end. What more could you want? A lot. <clears throat> I understand. Let me, let, me, let me leave you with this. About 12 years ago, um, a doctor by the name of Dr. Phil uh, Littleford uh, was waiting for his son Mark to hit his 12th birthday because he had promised him, Mark, when you're 12, we're going to get on a plane, we're going to go to Alaska, and we're going we're gonna to fish the salmon out of the streams. It happened. They got on. They got in. Uh, there were five other men with them with some sons. Um, and to get to the place where they were fishing, four of them got on a pontoon boat, took them back deep within uh, this particular lake. Uh, and, I mean, it was, it was heaven for, for, uh, for a fisherman. Um, they cleaned the fish. They were getting ready to get back in the plane. They had not calculated that the tide changes about 23 feet. And by the time they came back in the later afternoon, now, now the boat was on gravel, right, with its pontoons, and they couldn't, you know, drag it into the water. It was too far. So they cleaned the fish. They ate. They slept. They got up, came back, boat back up, uh, the back up. They all get in, and just as they were taking off, and they broke from the water, uh, the recognized that one of the pontoons had been punctured by the stones, and it had taken on water point in time, uh, they, they really could not hold their altitude, nor could he balance the plane. And it just, it just began to, um, in a lopsided way, of course, swirl all the way back down until it hit the water. They all were fine. They all were alive. They didn't have any emergencies. They had waders. They were good Boy Scouts. They learned how to tie those up, put them around their neck, right, blow into them. They had life vests. Uh, that was great until they hit a rip current. A riptide from the lake going back into the greater ocean was running so swiftly that only the, the strongest of men got to the side. And Phil Littleford, Dr. Phil Littleford, had his 12-year-old son in grasp. He was a strong swimmer. He just needed to make it to that point that was just, just on the edge of that rip current. But for him to get there meant that he was going to have to let go of his son. Their bodies were never found. He refused to let go of his son, an act of love, sacrificial love, that embraced his son to the place where he, it was a love that would not let costly. These were never found. And I guarantee you at some point in time, as they, the refugee said, we just saw them continue to flow down to the ocean, and they just became dots, and then they disappeared. Uh, the Coast Guard said with, with Mark being, Smaller and slighter, it, he was going to fall asleep in his father's arms and die first. 
and certainly at some point in time succumbed to the hypothermia. Uh, he refused to let in order to save himself, sacrificial love that refused to let go. It's not only seen in Joseph, it's seen in our Savior. You need a reason to unite, show the, show the love, and show the grace that you, we will find ourselves being woven together again, stronger than before, even as we continue to work through COVID-19 and beyond. Pray. Father, we thank you for uh, your enduring love for us this day. We thank you that all of what we're going through is not a surprise to you. We pray that you would give us the strength. Uh, we pray that you would, uh, that you would awaken us uh, to the wonder of the grace of your protection, uh, the fact that you have reconciled us to yourself, that we have everything to live for because you have promised and provided for our protection as well as provision of our salvation. Help us to share it. Help us to unite. Um, give us great grace as we as a church and as the church universal uh, works through this worldwide that our neighbors would look and they would say, those Christians loving each other and even loving us in the midst of a very difficult time of affliction, uh, we long for you to get the glory and to continue to build and extend your kingdom of grace. Do it here, do it with us, and do it with others this day. We ask it and commit it to you in Christ's name. Amen.
Now receive the Lord's benediction to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Now let us go forth to serve this community and the world as those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God.